0: Every week, we chat to ex-players, supporters,
1: and invited guests
0: here on Belmont Banter. Welcome to the official podcast of Whistful Town FC, whose main club sponsor is FiberTech UK Limited.
1: Before we play the Steve Sodgy podcast, which we know you will enjoy, this is just to let you know we have another questions video, which will be out next week. In this one, our manager, Lloyd Blackman, chats about the season so far. Here is Steve's podcast.
0: This week, we've got Steve Sodji. Now, Steve is no stranger to Whitstable Town. Speaking to him off uh, off air, he tells me that he really enjoyed his time at Whitstable. But it's not Whitstable I want to talk about at the moment, Steve. I want to find out how you got into football. You're a Nigerian lad, so I presume it was Nigeria where you started playing football?
1: Um, to be honest, the, um, I was born in Greenwich, Southeast London. Wow, so you yeah, are a, you're a Southeast <laughs> London boy then? I'm a proper Southeast London boy. And um, I'm, as you're aware, I come from a very big family. Yes. And seven brothers, three sisters. My parents came to the UK and obviously settled doing business transporting importing to nigeria Mm -hmm. so we were all actually born in the uk but i think back in 1980 1981 my father decided to take the whole family back to nigeria so i went back to nigeria when i was probably about four years old and i did my whole primary school in nigeria which is where i first started playing football
0: Oh, right. Okay. Well, we hear all these stories about dirt pitches and everything. So, what did you play on a proper proper pitch or
1: just anywhere? <laughs> Tony, to be to believe it or not, when you say a proper pitch, it is a proper pitch. It's full of sand. It's got <laughs> potholes. It's got it's got all sorts of debris on it. Yeah. And uh, to us, that was a proper pitch, and we yeah. played in
0: bare feet. So that really, right from an early age, toughened you up for football, didn't it?
1: Absolutely. It, it prepares you. And I think, like you said, having played football for a long time, I think one of the things that what that did to us was that if we can play on those sorts of surfaces, it was more about your technique. As much as you want to rely on pace and power, unfortunately, in Nigeria, due to the, the pitches, pace and power is something that comes naturally to black footballers anyway. Yeah. So it's more about learning and developing your technique. And what that did for me when I first started playing football in a primary school setting, was that it just helped me a little bit with my technique and also it sort of kept me grounded knowing the fact that, you know, you want to play on better pitches anyway. So of course. yeah, it was pretty hard.
0: Pretty hard. So what age did you come back to the UK then?
1: Yeah, so I returned back to the UK uh, when I was about 11 years old. I did about five years in Nigeria, Yeah. which to be honest, Tony, it was, you know, it was one of the blessings that my parents gave to us as kids, you know, obviously all parents want to give their kids something. And one of the things I do thank my parents for, who sadly passed away, my dad passed away in 2016, my mom passed away in 2017. It's one of the things that I hold very daily is the fact that they eventually took us home to Nigeria, showed us where we're from, showed us our roots. And that's really lived with me. And it's made me the person who I am. So the term British Nigerian is something that is what I call myself because we are British Nigerians. That's, and um, That's really good, really positive. Yeah, so I came back when I was about 11 years old for secondary school. So straight back to South London again? Straight back to South London, Broccoli, South
0: London. <laughs> so where was the first um, English team that you played for
1: there? I I, I went. I started secondary school and um, a couple of my boys in my team were playing for Sunday t- Sunday side. Yep. And, um, I, you know, I, my parents were more about studying, you know. So every day I go to school, I was talking to these boys and they sort of studied with me during the week in school but then every weekend they, they come into work they're coming to school on a Monday talking about Sunday football and how they're playing so I put the proposal to my um my my parents it was a complete no no you're not playing football you're, you're going to school weekends you know church extra school lessons but eventually they kind of said you know okay it's a weekend activity yeah. so my first football club was a club based in um Elmer's End called um Brookside
0: all right, I think I've heard of
1: Brookside. Yeah, Brookside, Elmer's End. And that was my first taste of um, sort of like young, I was about 13, 14, young English style of football team. So that was my first taste of football when I first started to get into it around about 13, 14, yeah.
0: And and how old's Effu, your, your elder brother? Is he much older than you?
1: <laughs> I think Effu um, is, this is the problem. Effu is actually older than me, yes. He is. I thought he was, yes. yeah. Yeah. Did, was, he, was he sort
0: of like a role model for you
1: yeah absolutely you know obviously I came back to the UK and FA Sam and Apple who all played the professional game stayed in Nigeria and they played professionally in Nigeria before they came over effort you know one of the things that really helped me was when I was in England with my parents most of my brothers were still playing football in Nigeria so I was sort of the sole one in England and I knew about their achievements in playing in the pro game yeah. back in Nigeria and, you know, football was always in the family. And, um, my dad, apparently my dad was a very good footballer back in the village of Kokori in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Football's always followed us through. I'm not sure if you know, my brother Bright also was a professional rugby player.
0: Well, I've read about that, but I don't know. I've, I've met your brother, Sam. I met Efu cause he came down the club a couple of times. So that's right. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah,
1: That's good. Yeah. Efu was a massive role model. Especially when he came over, you know, when FA first came over to England, he obviously, he played, we actually joined the same team because I was actually playing for a semi-pro club in Luton called Elms at the time. And when FA came over, um, obviously being pro in Nigeria, he tried He tried out with, I think, Luton and Wimbledon, which didn't go too well, Wimbledon, the old Wimbledon. Yeah, yeah. And um, Luton, that didn't go too well. And I did say to him, I said, Look, I'm playing for a semi-professional club. Uh, called Elms, would you like to come down and just sort of join in? And that's when FA sort of got into football in, in England.
0: Oh, good. Just like that. So just almost like, like, it was almost like grass, going from professional, yeah. really good in Nigeria, coming here and then starting all over again. Exactly, exactly. So, I think, let, let's concentrate on you. So how did your football then progress from where you were at Elms?
1: Yeah, so basically where I was at Elms, uh, we sort of like won this sort of Southeast County League. A couple of years in a row. I think I was about 18 at the time playing in men's football. So I was fast tracked. So I was meant to join Elms and join the under 18s. I got fast tracked into the first team straight away by a, a, the coach at the time called uh, Clinton Rule. So I was the youngest player in the team and uh, I played for them about two, three years. And during that period, Clinton obviously saw something. I was doing extra training. I had to do extra training, or uh, the senior players, even though I was playing in the first team. I was technically not seen as a first-team player. I was playing all the games, but I was told to do extra training with the juniors due to my age. And eventually, um, Clinton took me to Millwall, who at the time had a manager called Mick McCarthy. Yeah. And uh, I trialled out at Millwall to, for the academy. Didn't quite make the academy, but I was in the development team training with Millwall all through. And that's my that's sort of the very first time I met a gentleman called Neville Gordon, who you ends hell. up playing for us. Yeah, I know well. Do.
0: I like so, him. Yeah, He's a yeah, lovely, guy, he? lovely, guy. lovely guy, isn't
1: he? Absolutely. Lovely guy. So that was my first taste of how I got into the game playing training with Millwall. That didn't quite work out. But then Clinton, again, took me to Cardiff. And uh, as a young man, I went to Cardiff, met up with two players from London. It was very hard. I was only 19 at the time. And... Um, it was very different, you know, being yes. in Wales, so on. I think, yeah, Cardiff and just being away from family, living in digs. We called it digs at the time. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. I'm, I'm taken from my family home to live with a couple of um, parents who have their own children in Cardiff. And I was there for about six weeks. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was tough because the only people I really knew were a guy called Darren Adams, who mm-hmm. played, and uh, Nathan Blake at the time. And uh, it was a really tough struggle and it was really hard to adjust to life in very cold. <laughs> and um, the manager at the time, Eddie May, was potentially going to offer me a contract, but he got sacked. Oh. And I think Terry Yorff came in and uh, I got released and I ended up coming back to London.
0: Mm. This this thing about um, the change of
1: manager, all of a sudden,
0: yeah. it, it, you've got to start all over again, haven't you? You've got to impress a new
1: guy. Yeah, yeah, so... Um, Obviously, when Terry Yurov came in, he had his own idea on how the club should run, players on trial. You know, everyone has their own idea of management. Of course. So, again, I got released. And at the time, I think I was like 18, but then I think 19 at the time. And I sort of made a conscious decision to say, look, this football thing is really tough. Trying to make the pro game is very hard. You know, a lot of people, you know, don't make it. And um, I decided to make a decision to go to university and um, applied to get onto a course at university. And while I was trying to get on a course, I managed to get the opportunity to join Welling, Welling United under Terry Cooper at the time. And um, while I was at Welling, they were in the conference. I was a young kid on the brinks of the first team and I was signed up to the second team at Welling. I was on a contract, I was earning money. At the same time, I was at university as well. And I thought to myself, hold on a second, the pro game is quite hard to get into. Yeah. I'm studying, and I'm also earning money playing football, doing something I love. So I kind of killed two birds with one stone. So that was my first—that was my first intro introduction into semi-pro football.
0: So that realization, then, you—you—you you, you could concentrate on your, your your actual development of your um your life through uni, and then all of a sudden, your football career started to blossom as well.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Which I think the pressure of not trying to become a footballer become a professional you know and sometimes in life you've got to take what opportunities come your way you know being a semi-professional footballer it's if you if you can make it and enjoy it you can still have a successful career as a semi-professional footballer and earn money at the same time have a very successful job after uni and also earn money as well so combining both really helped me
0: in my life that's that's good advice for any kid watching
1: this yeah, so how you. long
0: did you start welling for?
1: Well, I was up welling for about two to three years. During those two to three years, I was trying to break into the first team. It was really hard, but I was being longed out to different semi-professional clubs and league below. While that was going on, that's when I first um, encountered a gentleman called John Roseman. And uh, he was the manager of Cray Wanderers. He was watching a lot of welling games. And he, he came up to me and he said, look, you're obviously trying to get into the welling first team. Why don't you come and play for me a league below? Obviously, first team football. I'm yeah. the manager of Cray Wanderers. Yeah, and John Roseman was a lovely guy. And he, I ended up signing for, I ended up leaving Millwall. Sorry, I ended up leaving uh, Welling, Welling to join John Roseman on loan
0: yeah.
1: For, yeah. for the rest of the season. And so Cray that Wanderers.
0: started you off on another path because... John eventually yes. ended up as our manager. So, exactly. did you, where did you go? Where were you next then from, uh, from um, Cray?
1: Yeah, I think when I played for Cray, I think John did move on. And I think I then moved on to Herne Bay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I
0: think that was the very first time I saw you. Who was playing yeah. with you at Herne Bay as well?
1: One of the guys. It was a gentleman had... called uh, Raymond Razor. Oh, <laughs> Razor. He was a player and a half. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and how how long did you stay at Bay for? If I can recall, Tony, I'm, I can't remember, but I think it must have been. Did John? I think it was John that took me to him. I'm not sure if it was John, but I ended up going to Home Bay for one season. Yeah, we we ended up doing one season at Home Bay. We had a few battles at the time with um, Whitstable as yeah. the main derby, you know, the main yeah. derby. And um, yeah, we did one season there. And I think the following season, I think John must have been the manager of Whitstable during that season when I was at Home Bay. He was. Yeah. yeah, and I think he tried to poach myself and um, Razor from from um, Herne Bay. But I think he was at Whitstable. And I think during the summer, he got back in touch. And uh, we already signed. I think we were already pre ready to sign again for Herne Bay for the second season. Yeah. And I think John got on the phone. And you know what John's like? Oh, He's very, you know, he sells you the dream. He sells know, you the dream. But to be honest, he, he had a plan, John. He had a plan for Whitstable it fit in perfectly with what we were doing and we knew that i knew the manager as well he had a lot of faith in me yeah. which goes a long way and uh, he convinced myself and um raymond to join wittsville and yeah
0: and there was that was a good time wasn't it
1: um, oh. when did when did neville join up join up as well when did neville come it was a, it? it was the same season it was the same season that we all sort of uh joined together because it was I like the three... Well, there was four of you in the end, wasn't it? It was like the four... There was, more, of there's more, there, was more, there was more than that. There was more than that. The London... I think Whitstable was such a great experience. You know, one of the best experiences I've ever had in football. The, the the club at the time was very friendly. Yourself, the fans. And obviously, it was. I think it was a struggle at the beginning. But then, obviously, the the, the chairman, is it Joe?
0: Yeah, Joe. Well done.
1: And his wife and his yeah. wife. They came in. And they, they 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 shook up a lot of things and they made us very welcome. The fact that we had London boys, you had myself, Raymond, yeah, Christian Barrett, Christian Barrett, oh, yeah, Christian Barrett, yeah. I forgot yeah about Christian
0: Barrett, Christian. Darren Amos, yeah, Darren. Wow, yeah. some good players, Steve. Yeah, Neville, Neville Gordon, yeah, Neville. Oh, yeah, mo Mo
1: M- 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 Caddy.
0: Yes, little Mo, oh my <laughs> goodness me.
1: Oh, so, yeah, so it was um, there was about six or seven of us that had two cars. We always shared two cars, I and mean, we were the London boys that joined up with yeah. the, the Kent boys. You know, you had people like um, Adrian and yeah. Jason Braggie. You know, yeah, yeah, that
0: was yeah. that was a good time. Do you know what yeah. surprised me about whistle over the years? And probably you've got some empathy with this, considering the talent that we had in some of our sides. I was I just can't put my finger on why we didn't get promotion. It was bizarre. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think we had we had two great seasons at uh, Whitstable. you know, two great seasons, and I think um, there was a lot of um, I don't know whether there was a lot of changes. I think John Roseman, fair use to John Roseman, I think he he did chop and change quite a bit yeah. in terms of his squad and his players. There was no consistency there, and I think we had a good cup with a good couple of uh, seasons where we got to the cup final, we had a couple yeah. of cup finals, and I think to get f- through the league and get promoted, I think you need a bit of solidarity. And a bit of consistency. And I think I, I think maybe one of the things that we did struggle with was at the time was a lot of the managers at the time was there's was a lot of chopping and changing of players. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And then after Whitstable, where did you move on to then? Yeah, after I left Whitstable, I think I then returned back to Welling. I then returned back to Welling for a um but going back to Whitstable, yeah, me, I think one of the things about Whitstable, because I, I think you know, I love to talk about Whitstable is I don't know if you recall, I um, am the goal scorer of the first person for to win this century. No, I never knew that. We had a derby game in 2000. Uh, We had a derby game against Herne Bay in 2000. Wow. On um, New Year's Day.
0: New Year's Day.
1: At at Herne Bay. And I think we beat them 2-0. And I was the first goal scorer. So it's the turn of the century. And I scored the first goal for Whitstable this century.
0: Oh, that is (laughs) unbelievable. Well, that's something to go on your CV, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. I got presented with the actual montage pictures
0: by the club. Oh, that's fabulous. That is really good news. (laughs) I didn't realise that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's my... I I, I keep... I've always told that story to everyone. You know, it's one of my... I know I went on to play for other clubs, like you mentioned. When I left Whitstable, I moved on to... I went back to Welling. Yeah, I went back to Welling for one more season, and um, we had a great season. Then I went on, I think from Welling, I went to play for Alan uh, Devonshire. Oh, yeah. Hampton Richmond. Yeah, Hampton Richmond. One season there. As you know, in, in, in semi-pro, there's not many people that do more than one season in the club. No, it's it yeah. is
0: movement, isn't it, all the time?
1: Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah and, I, yeah, and I think there's a lot of money around in the game as well, and a lot of managers sort of jump in after one season to offer you more money.
0: Yeah.
1: And you sort of... When a contract ends, you tend to just go with where the money is and yeah. it's a new challenge. Yeah. And, uh, and then I went on to play for um, Braintree under George Borge. Yes. Braintree as well, which is a fantastic uh, club to play for, very friendly. Then on to Ashford Town.
0: So, yeah. and, and Ashford Town was your last club really, was it?
1: Ashford Town was my last sort of club as well, but I, I had a good two-year stint at Tunbridge Angels. In well,
0: they're, between they, they're up
1: there now, aren't they, Tunbridge Angels? Yeah. 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 Tony really Dolby are. was the manager at the time, and then um, yeah. had a really, really good spurt, at to, uh, Tombridge Angels, which was a really good club to play for. Then I ended up at uh, Ashford Town. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, Steve, that was a bit of a round roller coaster. <laughs> you got there in the end. That is yes. unbelievable. Tell me something. Have you ever considered management? Is it something that's ever entered into your head?
1: Um, I think management is not something that's really something I'm interested in doing. But I think uh, being involved in football on a coaching side of things is something that um, I definitely want to do. I'm in the process of applying to do my badges, you know, because obviously I never really got the chance to do my badges. I've been involved in a lot of community stuff involved Hmm. in football. yeah, And um, we've done a lot in terms of the community side of things, but coaching, sort of helping young players on an advisory level, it's something that uh, really interests me. Well when you tell
0: your story, particularly about carrying on and going to university and doing your football as well, that's got a real resonance because with young footballers, that's 18 is a funny age because there's three or four things that come in and take take over. They either fall in love or their <laughs> mates aren't in, their mates aren't interested in football, they want to go out drinking or doing something else. Yeah. Yeah. and then university takes over and they move away. But if they can combine what you did, which was learning and football, well, then yeah. their semi pro experience can last many years, can't it?
1: Absolutely. I'll, I'll be honest with you, Tony. I'll, I'll come back to some of the points that you raised there. One of the most important things that I advise, because as you know, Tony, we've got the, the Sojis is a big family, massive yeah, no, family. I know, I know, big. The first, the first generation of footballers, myself, FA, Sam, APWA. We've sort of moved away and we've got a lot of nephews who are actually coming through at the moment. Uh, I don't know if you know my nephew, Oname, played for Charlton in Darlington and yes. Hartlepool. I've got a nephew at Manchester City at the moment, Ty Soljay, who's Bright son, who's in wow. the academy. Uh, I've got a cousin, uh, Harrison Soljay, who's at Leighton Orient. And they're sort of like 17, 18 at the moment, Tony. One thing I would advise parents in terms of when it comes to football is that You may watch football on TV and you may see a lot of players, but the ratio of players that actually make it in the game is very minimum. You've got to realise that having a child who plays football, it's not a certainty that they will make it as a professional footballer. They may be involved in an academy from the age of 10 all the way to 18, 19 and get released. And when they get released, they've got to have something to fall back on.
0: Yes. You
1: know, and there's a depression that could happen. The mental health of a player who um gets released from a club could really affect them and i think a lot of parents got to be aware that if you've got a child who's really interested in football no matter how good he is they've got to give that player an option they've got to give that child an option that if the football doesn't work what else can you do what else can you apply yourself in and i think it's very important that you know for myself my story is that i wasn't going to chase a dream and force a dream to happen i ended up going to university and working in the bank as an investment banker for 10 years and while I was working as an investment banker, I was playing at the highest level of semi-professional football. And like you said, Tony, combining both things is just as good a career as trying to make it in a professional game. So that's one of the things I would advise to a lot of young players now to say, look, as much as you want to try and make it in a pro game, when you get to 17, 18, 19, if the things are not going quite well, you've got to think of an option.
0: Very wise words. Very, really are. We've, we've actually got an academy at Whitstable now, which is really well run. If you get on our website, have a look and check through the academy there. We've got something like 25 teams now within the club, starting from, I think it's seven is the earliest, six or seven, girls and boys going through right the way through. We've got an academy side that's now in the league that plays clubs like Welling, Charlton uh, and so on. So, yeah, and it does, I I had an interview on here. Perhaps you'd have a a look at it. It was one of my podcasts I did with our academy director, and he talks about exactly what you've spoken about, about the the child, because they are children, are, That's right. you know, uh, and having that backup of an education. Uh, very, yeah. very wise words, Steve. That's Absolutely. really good. Really good.
1: Yeah. That's right, yeah.
0: Now, That's you amazing. carry on and do your, your badges, mate. And if you've got, got the wherewithal and the this desire, just see where it takes you.
1: Absolutely, definitely. And like you said, you know, one of the things that I like to do with a lot of people I know in the game is to put something back in the game. And you know, there's certain clubs, like you said, like Whitstable. Who I know, if there's any obviously tough times at the moment with um COVID 19, yeah, sure. But if there's anything going on with Whitstable, I'm definitely more than happy to be involved and get involved with Whitstable and come and see some old faces.
0: That'd be lovely. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, I saw a couple of the lads the other evening. Um, Andy Keir, do you remember Andy Keir? I still speak to Andy Keir, we still speak. Well, Andy fantastic was down. Guys. Andy was down last <laughs> night. He came with uh, who else? Was was two or three of the other boys with him. What I think we'll have to do, I'll have a word with the chairman, and we'll get yeah. a reunion uh, n- n- at a game. So you come down That's and right. watch the game, and then let's hope this COVID's out the way. That's and right. And we yeah. can all relax and have a nice evening afterwards, which would be lovely.
1: That, it will be. I think that would be fantastic because I think, like I said, in life, is um, we all speak, and every time I speak to yourself or, like you said, via Facebook, it's always a night. Nice, it brings a smile to my face because it always reminds me of a great time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And does. being
1: involved in the, in the semi-professional game. It was very hard because there were some clubs that, that I played for were very tough. It was not enjoyable, but you had to stay and grind out the season. But I think if I could turn back the clock, definitely playing for Whitstable... Especially against home bay <laughs> because we, we always seem to do them over. I don't think I've I don't think we ever lost to home bay.
0: No, I don't think you anymore. did. No, that's why. That's you why I, I love all you lads. Yeah, you know. So no, it was good fun, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. It was fantastic, and and, and any form of reunion would be fantastic. Um, I'm still in, like I said, I'm still in touch with mo- most of the boys. They'll be more than happy to come down, and it'll be great to see you in person again. Yeah. And also, Joe yeah, and Jones, his wife. Josie, yeah. It'll be really, really fantastic because I think, you know, one, one thing I'd like to say that our great experience at Whitstable was very much down to Joe when he came into the club. It was and good. I think, yeah, definitely. I think there was a lot of things going on. But when he came, he brought a sense of professionalism and he made he looked after us. He, he was like this father to all of us. And we all had high words to speak about him. And he was very softly spoken, a very nice man and his wife. I can't, if you recall, I can't remember his wife's name. and Josie. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and um it were really, really we, we always felt like we wanted to play for them. You know, that's when we lovely. were in the changing yeah. room, we always felt like we didn't want to let Joe down. That's you nice. You know, as much as the fans as well. And that was a that was the aura we had in that changing room. The camaraderie was like, We felt bad if we lost, but we felt bad for Joe as well, because he was very much he really did look after us, especially when we travelled from London.
0: Well, that's pretty fantastic, Steve really honestly that's really good i'm so pleased we've managed to do this today because uh <laughs> all right we uh we've we've spoken a couple of times about trying to do it different times and but yes, we've, mani- yes. we've managed it today so it's really good i'm just going to yes, finish yes. up here for the people that are listening to this so ladies and gents thanks very much for uh tuning into belmont banter and today's guest steve sodji who i personally have really really enjoyed his chat and i'm sure you will it reminds you of different times at whitstall town and you can hear in his voice how he genuinely, genuinely loved playing for the town. So Steve, thank you so much, buddy. Well done.
1: Yeah. Thank you very much, Tony. And uh thank you very much for the Whitstable fans who made our two years at the club amazing. We I think we brought home Silverware once. We lost the final. I think we lost the final to um Foxing, I think was it foxing yes, Sittingbourne, yes. I think I believe. And uh yeah, I had a great time and um just like to say thank you to the fans and hopefully we'll come down and um see you guys soon.
0: Thank you very much,
1: Steve. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Tony. Take care. Join your host, Tony Rouse, every week on Belmont Banter for news about local football in Kent and beyond.
0: I do hope that you've enjoyed today's episode of Belmont Banter. Don't forget there's a new episode out every week which comes out on a Sunday night, early Monday morning. And you can leave your suggestions for a guest to invite at the end. And leave a like and don't forget to pass it on to all your mates. Cheers.